We're extremely unprofessional, so I'm sure we won't find a way. No, I can't think like that. We are professional, Tom. Yes. We are worth every cent we demand for this program. <laughs> every cent I'll have you. Every cent I'll have you. I'll have you know. Uh, okay, okay. Here we are. Under the Bar podcast, Rawdon, mm. on the air in this very strange period mm. of time that humanity is going through. Before we before we came on the air, we speculated as to what indeed it might have been was in humanity's collective consciousness that has manifested the COVID-19 virus and uh, spread it among us. Well, it's the virus we had to have. You know, it was, uh, well, the sounds of it was a long time coming. The world was, was due to be uh, bent over and spanked accordingly. And it looks like uh, it's doing a damn good job of, uh, of doing that, Tommy. It's um, crazy, surreal time at the moment. Yes, it absolutely is. Now, Rawdon, our special guest for this episode is Sona Lindman. Not, uh, not uh, Sona or Sauna. Or Sauna, as you like to call it. Sauna. But I think sauna. I um, very inappropriately called her a few times, but it was delightful to have her on the program. She's the better half of Menno Henselman's, which obviously has been on. He's been on the show a few times, so um, yep. nice contact there. But she's primarily a nutrition coach and an online trainer. She works with mainly women, and over the course of working with a lot of women, she came up against a, a recurring theme of eating disorders, particularly binge eating. So she then went off and did further studies in that field. She's refined her systems and developed a methodology around dealing with that. And uh, that's what we're talking about today. And it's a very, very good interview. Yeah, and bed, as, uh, as we like to call it, the binge yes. eating disorder, something that, um, you know, for our long, long, long Remember we used to have the seventh, uh, you know, when we uh, uh, very irresponsibly encouraged our listeners to have cheat meals and uh, oh, yes. who, who could outdo? I don't know if anyone did outdo me, Tommy, with the custard bath and the um, Ben and Jerry's and the, the plump raisins um, in, uh, in, the, in the custard bath, and I think there were M and M's in there as well. I mean, it was uh, it was some of my best work. So mm. I think you know we may have well I may have been encouraging such uh, binge eating disorders from our for our listeners you know mm. but um, but in all seriousness Tommy it, it does seem to be something that is is pretty common these days you know it's uh, uh, restricting energy and then having a you know a stupid amount of energy in a, in a very short time and then 
that you know and then the repercussions that that has that we were discussing before we went on air mm. you know that then punishing thyself you know 50 lashes on the back or while you're doing the uh, treadmill and the the cross trainer and uh, spin bike at the same time type thing which then of course leads you to believe that, that it's fine to do it again and and then well that's all right i'll just hop on the the spin bike for five hours afterwards and I'll work off that uh, ben and jerry's ice cream yes. so yeah it's it's a, a slippery slope that whole environment and so, so, something I think that, that many don't realize that there that there there is there is a problem, or there is some sort of eating disorder, which yeah, um, yeah, an awareness of it is probably a good place to start. Well, I think uh, when you do think about how this occurs and uh, what pattern of eating actually qualifies as a binge eating disorder, then we probably everyone in this industry has yeah. had, some, had some experience with that. Look, Sonna will go into some really interesting aspects. I mean, she she takes a very psychological approach with her clients and she'll talk mm. about, uh, you know, if there's genetic components or what other factors, gender and gender, yep. stress levels and psychological state might influence it. But look, I think some of the interesting stuff, Rodin, which is kind of what you were alluding to there in terms of eating a very low-calorie week so that you can then binge on the weekend and still maintain body composition is one of the practical strategies that she looks at when dealing with this and right. that pattern of being on a sort of a, a dieting in air quotes phase forever and continually restricting and restricting calories during the week more and more and more and it, by the end of the day just offsetting that with binge eating on the weekend it's a very common pattern well, I was going to say, you remember when you were, <laughs> when I was working with, uh, getting coached by Shelby Starnes and we, yes. you know, we would do the skins, I think it was on a Saturday morning and, ah, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I haven't dropped it, you didn't get under 10%, it's, it's, it made the error of, I mean, skins were probably, I should go back and have a look, were probably coming down, but body fat, body fat percentage was, and then it was the, the death of me, I almost, I used to dread pinch. you. Uh, I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to pinch him the same. I'll get all the same sides. It's going to be 10%. <laughs> He's not going to be happy. No. <laughs> He's going no, to look he like I'm pinching him incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Just do it again and again. No, it's got to be less. It's a whole week. But I mean, that was that was because I was, um, you know, I was eating so much on the weekend, you know. I was being a bad client, basically. Yes. And um, binging too much with that, that off-plan meal that he gave me. And it, it was a history of that time. I remember when um, <laughs> when uh, Dane first uh, coached me, and uh, it was the first. So he he took the reins, and I'd been you know changed everything, taking you know squillion supplements and methylator and this and that and, and all this sort of stuff. And um, anyway, he and uh, he goes, okay, well, well, you can have a you can have your first uh, off plan meal. I don't even know if you called it a cheap meal, but your first off plan meal this weekend, Rodden. And I said, oh, okay. Well, what do I eat? He goes, well, as long as it's gluten-free, dairy-free, that's fine. Just go for it. I went, just go for it. He goes, yep, it's fine. Just get in there, you know, have a good meal, and then we'll check it on Monday. I went, all right. So <laughs> I did what I did. You know, I pushed the pushed the shopping trolley down the uh, the health food aisle and have one of those, a couple of those. They're all gluten-free. Check it. Oh, no, that's not gluten-free. That is. There we go. And then um, did the assessment on Monday, Tuesday, and he was he was perplexed, and he was like, "What what did you do on the weekend? Like, I've, I've never seen this before. This shouldn't happen. This impulse all out. Like, what did you do?" I said, "Bro, you said it for me." He goes, "Okay, next time I'm going to tell you what to eat." So, yeah, uh, told me uh, I've got a history of bed. You absolutely. And, um, 
I should pay pay attention to this uh, this interview with Sonna. yes, absolutely, and we'll be with her very shortly. I think one of the one of the special characteristics about your bed, Rawdon, was mm. the meticulous <laughs> the meticulous planning that went into oh, it, yeah. like, like a uh, like a professional criminal, you know, planning yes. to break and enter into the world's most heavily locked down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember once when I was I can't remember who I was uh, dating at the time, but. I snuck up and uh, you know, so I got the the cereal as you do in the middle of the night, and I loaded yeah. up a bowl, you know, had the had the milk in there, and and, <laughs> and I had uh, and I was eating, and the spoon dropped, and it sort of just clinked on the edge of the bowl. <laughs> I went, and I sort of stopped like this, and went, oh shit, and then and then <laughs> and then next man, door open, and go, what are you eating? Are you eating in the middle of the night? And I was like, you know, it's like. Ah! Turn the light off! Turn the light off! I'm not an animal! I'm not an animal! I'm a human being! As I, as I, finished, my, uh, as I finished my cereal, that was hilarious. hilarious. So yeah, that's, um, that's your bed, my bed. I've had bed issues for years, Tommy. All right, enough of us. Let's go to Sonna Lehman. Well, Rawdon, famously, we have discussed on the podcast many times some of your most extreme yes. cycles of dieting and binging. Bed. In bed, correct. Mm-hmm. If I think back on my own various, well, you know, when I've done a couple of those photo shoots and various things, yeah. a dieting phase will will always be preceded by, uh-huh. uh, you know, an excess. Of everything. Excess of everything. Pretty much. Um, I've never really sort of analysed myself and wondered if there was a uh, what emotional perspectives might be driving that behaviour. I guess because it, it's never manifested in in a physiology or, or a state where it's forced me to, to look at it that way. But yeah. I do very much understand what it's like to look forward to and plan a big meal and yeah. to be eating something and be slightly out of control. Yeah, out of it's, control it's, with it's, it. a, it's a lovely feeling. <laughs> It's an interesting experience. It is, it is. Almost that out-of-body experience. Yeah, yeah, in many ways. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that pretty much everyone listening yep. to this podcast can relate to in some way, shape, or form on a spectrum of, you know, deeply into a cycle of binge eating or have just done it at, at various times in their life. So yeah. let's have a look at let's the, unpack it. the practical and psychological approaches towards dealing with uh, binge eating yep and to do that we have a i think last time we spoke to menno henselman's i might have referred to him as the gypsy of the fitness industry but we've got we've probably got the 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 nomad of the fitness industry Uh and the uh current fiance of menno henselman's yes sonna leanman and uh, i think she's still in brazil i'm not sure sonna welcome back to the podcast and thank you very much for your time thank you thank you for having me guys you yes, would... I'm definitely still in Brazil. Yes, that's exciting. Enjoying all the good sushi here. Yeah, we, you put that sushi roll down. We're going to get straight into the uh, meat and nuts <laughs> of uh, binge eating disorder. But uh, where are we going to go, Tommy? What's well, Sonna, yeah, why don't you just tell the listener a little bit about yourself and your progression through the industry and uh, how you came to specialize in dealing with people with uh, eating disorders? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an online personal trainer and nutrition coach. And over the years of coaching, I found that I had a way better connection with coaching women, especially because I get great satisfaction as a coach when I have more focus on the mindset things, like the mindset change, the psychological part of coaching. And a lot of things women 
are especially dealing with is binge eating. I had a lot of girls who were suffering from binge eating. And I also had a fair amount of girls who came to me for coaching who had had an eating disorder or who were recovering from eating disorder. And to help those girls the best I could, I started looking into it. I started reading about it. I did various psychology courses from Yale and Oxford. And this way I sort of naturally rolled into it, but I found this extremely interesting and I developed a whole method that was science-based and also very practical to help those girls the best I could. I've given various seminars about this topic, especially to other coaches and also people who suffer from this. We gave a seminar, I think it was about two, three weeks back in the Netherlands, and we had about 200, over 200 people attend. So I think this indicates that there's definitely a big request out there. There's a lot of people from what I see who are suffering with those problems. And I also see that internationally, there's a lot more attention. Uh, some of the big names in the industry, like Eric Helms, Zoe Lee, they are talking about this. Eric published a yeah. paper a few weeks or months back, very good paper about this. Uh, there's this Australian doctor who's coming up. His name is Dr. Jake Linderdon. He has published a very good studies about this. So in general, I do feel that luckily it's getting more evidence-based attention. And there's still people out there who need to hear this. Absolutely. Okay. Um, why don't we, because I think off air we discussed there were a few different categories of eating disorders. and We might uh, hone in on one that we deem probably most relevant for, for me. So that's all I want to know about. <laughs> but uh, no, for our listeners and uh, Cam as well, he's interested. He's a bit of a, a binger. Um, do you want to uh, discuss the, the the different genres of uh, of eating disorders, and then we'll uh, hone in on the on the more common of them? Yes. Yes. Well, the main common ones are bulimia nervosa, anorexia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. And anorexia nervosa is, I think, everybody knows, but it's more the very restricted energy intake, very rapid weight loss. Those girls or guys have very distorted body images. They feel they're way more skinny than they really are. Um, bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder are a little bit the same, uh, as in that people often binge on large amounts of foods. They eat very large amounts of foods in very short time periods. They feel very guilty afterwards. They have this lack of control once they do it. But you see in bulimia nervosa that people usually get rid of those calories and they uh, induce self-vomiting or they use laxative or excessive exercise. Whereas in binge eating, at least in the general population, and I think it's a little bit different in, it might be a little bit different in fitness, but in general population, you see that usually people don't get rid of those calories. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, that was interesting to hear, Tommy, that uh, one of the, the ways of dealing, because a lot of our listeners would fit into this, but uh, the bulimia nervosa is excessive energy, energy expenditure. expenditure. So yes. I, I'm pretty sure everyone can relate to that. They, yes. they, they binge and then they'll go almost, you know, have a whip and be punished and whipping themselves mm. on the back as they mm. do hours and hours of cardio to try and offset 
what uh, what they what they binged on. That's fascinating. Very interesting. Sona, I've heard people who have been through anorexia talk about it. How for them it was a control mechanism. Everything else in their life was was a shambles, but they the one thing they could control was what mm. they put into their body. And so you've got that aspect, but yet the binge eating side of things seems to be a total loss of control. As Rawdon alluded to in the in the intro, it can sometimes be sort of viewed as an out-of-body experience where you just don't have control over what you're eating and it just happens. So with these, like the, the anorexia and the bulimia and then the binge eating, are they coming from different psychological roots? There's actually quite some debate in the literature about that. Like some scientists say they are uh, different like those are different diseases and some say they all actually have all the same roots and you could just say like an eating disorder and it just manifests it in different ways so some have more like anorexia tendencies others have more bulimia tendencies what we do see though is that even though people who binge they have while they binge they have this lack of control but it usually, what we see in the literature at least, is that a very rigid diet can actually contribute to binge eating. Mm. So yeah. in that sense, I think it all has some sort of component that it's all very black and white, all very strict dieting, and then either getting rid of those calories or just sort of having periods where you lose that control. Tell me, Sauner, yes. um genetics like your genetic predisposition as some of our of the, the the individuals that do suffer these um eating disorders is it is it hereditary are they sort of uh, predisposed to to behaving this way yes there seems to be uh, definitely a genetic component to it um it seems to be a little bit higher in bulimia and in anorexia i'm not sure the exact numbers are up the top of my head but it's about 80% and I think 80% for both bulimia and anorexia. And it's a little bit lower for binge eating disorder, which is about 40%. That's interesting. It's absolutely fascinating. Just the way we're, we're wired sort of lends us as ourselves to a particular or potential to a particular eating disorder. That's mm. absolutely fascinating. Sonna, if we focus on the binge eating disorder and the cognitive behavioral therapy is a, um, a means or a method that you have used to sort of tackle the psychological issues that come along with the disorder, before we go down that path, can we mm. look at some of the practical things that you look at first? Like you mentioned how a very rigid diet can lead to mm -hmm. this binging. So I assume that's something that you'll look at from a practical perspective. But yeah, what are some of those practical things that you look at with a client? Yeah. So you have a lot of factors that contribute to binge eating. So when you look at the literature, you see a whole scope of things that can actually lead to it. And uh, you have things like genders, like women are more uh, prone to binge eating than men for, in general. Uh, you have to rigid diet control. You have age can be uh, also plays a factor. Uh, things like childhood events, like all those social and psychological factors. But what I like to do is also look at very practical things such as uh, does somebody have a very high stress because then it's more likely that they start binging. Do they have poor sleep that contributes to, to binging and uh, things as infrequent meal pattern. So people who snack a lot and just don't eat at frequent times, they tend to binge more. Uh, food volume in the diet if they're hungry the whole day, just 
overall poor planning, like all those things, um, especially because genetics play a part too. You want to make sure that a lot of those components are actually right because people who, who already have like a genetic, genetic uh, disposition to binge eat might binge eat faster when those things are out of control. But it would be difficult for me to explain all of that, like go into each of these factors in this podcast because it's so individual and you really have to look at somebody's lifestyle and their whole uh, body image and everything around it that would be hard to explain mm. that's some good stuff there uh, tommy and uh i'm pretty sure i don't know about yourself I'll, but i'll speak on your behalf because <laughs> i'll certainly from, for, from my perspective sauna i do recognize because I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about recognizing when there's an issue and dealing with it but i certainly recognize when um when i do eat maybe a bit more carelessly and um, without thought, it will be when my routine is disrupted. I'm out of that meal timing. Perhaps I haven't had a meal, so I resort to just eating whatever. It's like, ah, well, you know, it just feels like the right thing to do almost. Or again, a really uh, poor night's sleep due to maybe going to bed really late, coming back from a flight and then getting up really early. Again, that would be an environment where I will most likely deviate from what I would normally do. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I certainly relate to uh, the, the being more stressed, the poor sleep, the, the meal uh, timing patterns. They all, for me on a personal level, will, if I am going to deviate and, and uh, eat a you know, copious amount of calories that it will usually be on those days when all those things are out. So I think some really good points there for our listeners that, um, you know, they may not be tracking the, the meal timing or the meal frequency well or the, you know, another, I guess, uh, another reason to, to have a look at uh, trying to uh, deal with that stress a little better and, and you know, mm. put in measures to deal with stress and to, to get sleep as good <clears throat> as it can be because um, those very things, uh, aside from having an impact on fat loss anyway, they mm -hmm. also have a, an impact on on their eating patterns and um, certainly this, by the looks of it, this, uh, this binge eating disorder, Tommy. Yeah, I feel actually, if I may just add yeah. to it, I actually feel that a lot of people only think about the psychological component of binge eating and only treat it as if it's something that is psychological and it, it does have psychological component but it also has a very practical component just like you said like you're more prone to be binge eating when you're stressed or when you're just not feeling good or when and things are out of control yeah mm. absolutely i think certainly with that sleep thing there's a fair bit of research backing up People sleep poorly, consume, I don't know, what is an extra 300 calories a day? Or yeah, and, and, and even just fat loss, uh, the ratio of um, mm. weight loss between fat and muscle mass sort of flips when there's mm. poor sleeping patterns. You still lose the same amount of weight, but it's... You have actually the, yeah. the worst muscle. of both worlds when you're sleeping bad because you get an increased hunger level and your metabolism drops, so <laughs> that's just the it's, worst it's, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah very Absolutely. interesting. So, Sonna, if you... Um, so say you have a client, a female client comes to you and she wants to lose body fat, but there is a, a history of binge eating there and you're trying to put together 
a diet plan for her. So there has to be a certain amount of constraint involved and obviously an energy balance deficit has to be found somewhere, yet you don't want to create such a stringent environment that it, it leads to, to binging. It's quite a delicate balance you're trying to get there. Is Do you have some methods around doing that? Uh, yes, again, it depends a little bit on the person. Um, sometimes it already helps to look at their overall intake that they're actually taking because a lot of girls who come to me they have been dieting for quite some time and i usually look at their overall intake because they might be uh, on a very low calorie diet and then be binging once a week or twice a week and that actually evens it out so their Uh. overall calories and that's also the reason why they're not super thin is their overall calories are pretty high but they're restricting themselves throughout the week and then this binge actually evens evens it out so Mm. sometimes i look at that and then or i actually always look at that and then i see like i can see sometimes if i can push their i can push their calories from say 1250 to 2000 because they don't have to 6000 calorie binge in between anymore and that already helps to fit fit in a lot more food because you can fit in a lot more food in 2000 calories than you can in 1250 calories yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's it's uh, the simplicity of that is is what I love, Tommy. It's just if you're not in that depleted state and um, deprived of energy uh, state, you just you just don't binge. You know, you're you're content. Yes. You're you're full. Like the yeah, the, the it's mechanisms usually a lot easier. There. Yeah. Um, other thing, if you're thinking about giving them less constraint, would be for example to not track their vegetables or to not track like certain things. Um, you might even in the long term go to more like an intuitive eating style where they don't track their calories, but just watch their food t- intakes more and just eat until they're full. Um, but yeah, those are like all things you have to see where they're at, what they're doing now, um, what you think will help them, what their real problem is with those things. If, if it's really the, is it the calorie intake or is it the fact that they just have to measure everything or yeah. uh, you have to see yeah. what, what the problem really is. Mm. So how do you figure out what the problem is? Do you have to get them tracking or keeping a diary or, or some sort of initial note taking so you know what's going on? Yes. Yes. I think this is one of the most important things. So if you're struggling with binge eating or when you're a coach and you're helping people who have binge eating, the first thing you want to do is self-monitoring because you want to find out what causes those binges or what the nature is of those binges, especially because there are so many factors involved. So you have this whole combination of factors that can cause it, and you just don't know what exactly causes it. And people don't usually don't know for themselves. They, they usually have no clue. And I've had a lot of girls who were actually saying to me like, okay, this is something I've never done before. Like after they binged or I even let them fill it out while they binge, I let them fill out a certain binge diary with questions in it about binge eating and like what it's, what it's coming from and things like that. And usually people already find that very enlightening because they've never done that before. And they're like, hey, like I've already come to see a pattern myself and over the weeks or whenever you track this, you see a clear pattern. That's really interesting. Rawdon, I, I wish you had uh, taken a binge diary 
Oh. Back, I can just imagine uh, oh, yeah. Saturday evening, the twenty fourth of May. Yeah. Tonight was the custard <laughs> bath. Uh, the custard bath with the cookies and cream in the centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's a, it's a different rawden. I, mm. I really don't know what you're talking about there, Tom. No, but that's so, very interesting. <coughs> and obviously, so so then you can see these patterns developing. You know, this is what happened during the week. Or my stress yeah. was high here, and then it led to the it led yeah. to the binge. Exactly, and you also wanna not only. You want to track both things. You want to track behavior. So in that binge diary, I let them fill out questions like, uh, what are you doing right now? What causes this binge urge? Um, what are you, were you something thinking about? Because you often see that uh, also a clear thought pattern appears before a binge. So things as, um, things as, okay, I've already gone over my calories today. Screw it. I'm not even going to try anymore or people feel they don't have control that day so they're not going to even try like all those very black and white thinking like i mean who decides that if you're 50 calories over your intake that that should lead to a binge but you usually see things like that happen yeah yes. yeah well that's it i've, I've ruined my my diet tom let's yeah. uh let's go binge on 5,000 calories custard yeah. bath <laughs> um tell me uh sauna your thoughts on um where you know you're you've recognized binging it's it's okay maybe the vegetable we don't track that what about something like okay you're going to binge we accept it for now i want you to binge on these foods and then you know you're sort of so you're 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 almost sort of guiding them a obviously they can they can then establish when the binge is occurring but but putting some sort of parameters sort of like when you talk about an off-plan meal for well for me anyway for my athletes Usually, you know, it'll be, you know, pick foods that you, you'd normally consume and, and go for it type thing. Any merit in that where sort of you recognize they're binging for whatever reason and, okay, cool, we don't want to, let's work out why that's happening. But if you are going to binge, then do it from, you know, better quality food choices. So there's not as much, um, I guess, you don't want to call it damage, but not as much uh, of an issue and much harder to to really get in those uh, calories when they're chosen from from whole foods. Maybe is that something that that, that can be utilized? Yes or no? <laughs> I think it would be difficult. Like you're saying, just just like whole foods and then just binging because nobody's gonna binge on cucumber, for example, or <laughs> or uh, broccoli. Like nobody's <laughs> gonna do that. Like people always want like high calorie dense foods that usually have the fat carb combination because we like those most and i've never heard at least i've never heard somebody who had problems with like pinching on vegetables so that might be a little bit tricky um not not, not so much uh, vegetables i mean obviously that they're unlimited or like you said but more rices potatoes you know fruits you know foods that are are still something that uh, is restricted on a typically on an eating plan and typically we don't restrict restrict vegetables so that wouldn't be something that they would be leaning towards more you know those carbohydrate dense because i find that's usually what people gravitate towards potentially yeah. fats as well but i guess the point was maybe you know saying if you are and this is what i try and instill with the athletes that i coach it's like cool story you're, you're gonna eat off plan it might happen if you do choose foods that you will typically have on plan and more of them yeah. and for me you know the obviously glycogen stores will, will be loaded there might be a you know a thermic effect of me metabolic increase i mean there's, mm -hmm. there's there's benefits to the binge that will complement yeah. what they're doing in the gym so that oh, yeah. that's sort of what i was leaning towards and what i advocate if they're going to break and and um that's what i was 
thinking along those lines, whether that had any merit or um, <laughs> I'm not, definitely not binging on cucumbers. Though. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think that could actually work for some people because if they're binging, you want them to binge on like whole foods, and that can be like the more like uh, nice whole foods instead of cucumber. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think that would could work. Um, but again, you have to look a little bit at our diet. At least that would, that's what I would do. I would look at their diet, and if they're missing those things so much, yeah. then there might actually be a problem with their diet. And is this actually sustainable long-term? So you have to question that. Like if you have a competitor, then you always have a non-sustainable diet, at least not the last weeks for the show. Yeah, you absolutely. probably want to get up another amount of body fat again at some time. But yeah, I've, I'm not sure like if that will work. I usually don't do that. If I find that somebody is leaning towards those particular kind of food, then I look at their diet and I try to make the diet more pleasant and just more satiating and all that in order to treat the binging. Absolutely. Let's get back to the uh, binge diary. So you've they've been tracking, they've established some sort of pattern of behavior or thought or lifestyle that leads up to these binges and you've got that in front of you. What do you do next? Yeah, so usually what I see that those things like sleep and stress, they might be easier to manage. I mean, you can just tell somebody that they just need to go to bed on time and if they start to recognize that they feel better after and all those things, it's usually something you can pretty much uh, well manage. But I feel that there's almost always a very large psychological component to it. So people usually find um, that they have some sort of urge to release stress and that's why they start binging and that can be a little bit more tricky because that's just not something that you can treat that well at least what i do for that is i use cognitive behavioral therapy and some techniques of that and especially act which is acceptance and commitment therapy which is a form of cbt and what it does it's it sort of uh, changes your mindset around the binges. So you start to realize that those binges are just urges, like emotions. They will come, they will go, and you don't necessarily have to act on them. And what I try to learn my clients is that when you have this binge urge, and once you start, start filling out this diary, you start to recognize it more. And then once you hear yourself almost thinking like, oh, I've already went over my calories, screw it. That's when you start to re recognize this sort of binge eating voice, as I like to call it. And then the best way to deal with this is actually to accept it and just not act on it. So you can be like, ah, okay, I hear this binge eating voice again. I've been in this situation a lot of times. Okay, I'm not going to act on it. I'm just going just, to accept that it's there and I'm just going to work through it. Because even if you don't not, do nothing, and I try to tell my clients this big time, if you don't do anything, this urge will pass. Will you feel comfortable? No, you will feel very uncomfortable. But even if you just sit still, and don't do anything, it will pass. And once you start to realize that, you can just uh, let it linger in the back while accepting and recognizing for what it is, 
don't act on it and just keep on doing whatever you were doing until it passes. Mm. Tell me, Sona, is, is it the type of thing also that, um, you know, it's sort of hard initially, but then once they develop this skill set to ignore the uh, those urges, it, it does uh, lessen over time? It does get easier and easier than yeah. neck minutes that don't have issues? So, yes, absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you're having binge urges, you might find that if you're trying this at the beginning, it's very difficult. You will have a lot of difficulty to actually work through this and you might find it hard to just keep on doing what you're doing because in some cases these urges can be extremely strong like I've seen girls who had sort of uh, withdrawal symptoms from those ranges like were like yeah. shaking trembling sweating like all those things like very severe but over time once you start to work through it you will notice that it's, get, it's getting less and that they might even disappear. It's what I see very often. And I always tell my clients that it's just temporary discomfort for long-term freedom. So yes, mm. you, you will have a, a time where you feel uncomfortable, but when you work through this, you will have long-term freedom of binges. That's very good. Do you have to um, establish a picture of what long-term freedom might look and feel like for them? Do they have to sort of identify how they would like their life to be in a future where binge eating is not a part of their life so they have something to to grasp to or, or take a note out and read it in these moments where it's very difficult and they're, they're fighting the, the physiology of wanting the reward of all this food? Yeah, definitely. So what I usually let them do too is like journaling. So all the things they learn in the coaching they write down to and a lot of them tell me that it ha helps them when they have this urge and they look back at those things they wrote and then they're like oh yes um like this is just going to give me a very short-term satisfaction but it's not going to help me actually get rid of my stress or get rid of this depressed feeling or whatever i have it's just a very short-term solution and i might even feel worse after so yeah mm. definitely things like that could definitely help what about uh, a spin on that, the journal? Like, um, I mean, a lot of our listeners, and we've, I think you've actually still maybe do it, Tommy, but uh, like a, some sort of grateful log where you're you're noting, um, you know, at the conclusion of a day, all the, the successful resisting the urges that you've had throughout the day. And um, it seems to have uh, a lot of merit with other things in life. Yeah, I definitely use that. Like, I use that all the time because it has a very strong evidence-based reason behind it like you see in research and it's funny that you mentioned because i wouldn't think that tough guys like you would do this well <laughs> yeah, I, it's good. I don't i'm yeah. a tough guy no, Tom, no, it's, Tom's no, not it's so actually tough. good because a lot of like guys are like reluctant to try this but <laughs> like i said there is a de definite because they feel like oh just keeping a diary it's just like for pussies right <laughs> but it's actually a very good scientific reason behind it and if you try it you will notice so you can write down like you said like successes of the day those can be big things it's going to be small things i usually let them write down like three things that they enjoyed that day and yeah. that's that definitely seems to help too but that's more to get a positive mindset which again can help to less just to feeling better in general and if you just feel better in general you don't need those binges to feel better 
Yeah, okay. Mm. Well, I've made a note. So less time on Tinder pre-bed and more time uh, grateful all the time. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've yeah. uh, made a note there. Yes, I am uh, grateful so. for my swipe rights. Yes, uh, super likes, Tom. Super, super likes. likes. Yes, yes. You yes. only get so many. you, you got to be. You got to scrutinise those super likes. Can't <laughs> throw them out willy-nilly. No, they're precious. Precious. Very good, very good. Okay, where do we go from here, Tommy? So... So these are just tactics to deal with the the practical the urge arises the body's I've used to it, yep. is used to getting this influx of calories and sugar and fat and mm. so you fought through that everything settled down do you go as far as trying to unpack what emotional states or these childhood things or what yeah. might be underlying what's caused it in the first place or or is that out of our scope of practice yeah, you tell me yeah yeah, childhood things are uh, not something I dig in too deep because I think that's more something you go to um, to somebody else too, like a more professional who is yeah. specialized in that area. It's not something I dig in too deep because a lot of other things can come up too. Um, so I try personally try to stay away from that a little bit. But what you often see is you want to get to some sort of uh, the roots of it. Like a lot of times it's body image that has a big role in it so you definitely want to see like why are you actually following this rigid diet control that leads to binging for example like why do you want to be this thin like is there a reason behind it and uh, what brings you happiness is that really like this really rigid diet or is it just enjoying a right variety of foods with maybe a slightly higher body fat percentage which is still in healthy range yeah. Um, things like that. So yeah, you definitely want to see look into that because research also shows that people who got treated for binge eating, for example, who got to the root of their problems were way more successful than people who were only treated and never really recognized where it was coming from. Mm. I mean, I, I guess as human beings, in, in some way we would be wired to binge. We got to forage when there's uh, food aplenty, Tommy. Yes, like for famine. Yeah, during the spring and the summer when the fruits are plentiful, wouldn't we be designed to try and get as much as we we can in? So, are, are there sort of inherent with desires with all of us to binge? Well, yeah, the, a it's, it's bit, not always yes. a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, well, it, like you said, like way way back, like hunter gatherers, when they had a lot of food available, they better binge because, <laughs> I mean. It's not the situation they were in that often. So mm-hmm. even if they would eat a lot of calories, it wouldn't matter because they might even star- have a starvation period for a while. But now it becomes a problem because we have this food available and like very high caloric, like caloric density foods. And it becomes uh, way more of a problem because we can consume a lot of uh, calories yeah. each day um, in all kinds of forms. But I feel when when we go to this topic, I feel that food satiety and the food volume in your diet have a huge component in this. So when you're not hungry, you are way less likely to binge or at least even want to eat. And so you definitely want to make sure that you don't get hungry all the time. If Mm. you can avoid that, like being hungry all the time, that helps huge with this. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that almost sounds... So obvious, uh, but yeah, I mean that's a, a really simple, and and it could be just a, a matter of uh, gravitating towards, um, like you mentioned, the 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 untracked uh, vegetable intake and getting plenty of um, whole whole vegetables in there, and uh, and that can certainly um, 
offset hunger pangs over time maybe it's just a simple it's metaphor. funny that, that you say like it's so simple and i feel the same way but it's something people always seem to forget that hunger plays such a big role in this uh, because they think about all those factors and yes there are a lot of things that play into this but hunger is the basis of the problem it's mm. it's the core thing if you're not hungry you're less likely to binge mm. yeah and i was going to say um there's also i think um a lot don't realize the you know the the, the consequence of uh, albeit a, let's assume that a binge like i did would warrant uh, quite a bit of fat gain but like you know, we're talking about uh, some that, that eat over their caloric intake or the target they had for the day or ate a little too much and then, you know, panic and, and binge henceforth. I think, you know, with athletes that I coach that I see able to maintain a, a lean physique all year round, it's almost like this uh, sense of auto-regulation where if they do go out to a dinner party or something, they, they consume by choice a lot more calories then they'll auto regulate the next day and then eat a little less move a little more so i think you know understanding that that it's just some extra calories you consumed and it's not the end of the world mm -hmm. and you can just move around a little more and maybe you spend a bit longer at the gym the next day or whatever it is that you do just be more active and, and mindful in the couple of days following and you know it's not the end of the world you know what what you did in that that one sitting can be offset with a couple of days of um you know more sensible restricted eating thereafter so i think you know mm. being aware of just energy balance full stop and and how how that that all works i think um would have a lot of merit for the the, the greater community 100%. yeah absolutely i think a lot of people forget that it's uh that energy intake goes over a bigger time frame so it's not 24 hours it's more per week, for example. So yeah. you could indeed like eat someday, you could eat a little bit more, one day you could eat a little bit less, and then over time you would still be in a good energy yes. balance. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, and, and another thing that a lot of, um, a lot will do is, well, I've got a big Sunday. I got, a, I got brunch with, uh, with, you know, my, my family. So I will restrict calories for, for a day or two, you know, leading into that so I can enjoy myself without any, uh, any guilt or, or consequence on the on the Sunday. So yeah, I think definitely uh, over that longer period, like a week, being aware, vaguely aware of, of what you've taken in over the week can have a, a massive impact as well. Mm. Yeah, I do feel though that if you're very prone to binge eating, you have to be a little bit careful with that yeah. because you still wanna make like decently good options or choices while you're eating out so it's definitely yeah. good to still keep like some uh, a part of your calories for example from low calorie sources and then some uh, calories from high calorie sources. and research also shows that if you do this like the the satiating effect of food is actually what brings you happiness not especially like gorging down as many hamburgers as you can mm. and i think that is also good to notice because a, uh, some binge eating uh, people are just way more prone to overcompensating, like way too hard, like they yeah. go way too strict. And uh, they might be like, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter this day, I can just eat whatever. And if I just compensate throughout the week, but then it becomes a lot harder because if you're just eating way too much, yeah. you will have a hard time. I mean, you could do that in the theory, but it will be becoming a lot harder when you have to compensate for all those calories that you just consume in one day. So a mindset, what I like to learn there to my clients is 
you decide what's what's worth it so do you okay. really think that um i mean if you want to eat ice cream and you think that it's worth those calories by all means be my guest just eat as much as you want but if you don't really like ice cream that much or you just uh, you just can fit it in to another day, then you don't have to eat it. So you can eat whatever you want, but you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a very good point. What role does training play in all this, Sonna? Uh, um, and how do you program? Do you look at restricting cardio or bringing cardio in or, or managing energy balance through training? Or is it purely to build strength and muscle? Like, what, What's some of your approaches towards the training side of things? Yeah, so usually I just let them follow like a, a regular strength training program and I don't really take it that much into account. But if they're doing excessive cardio, for example, I definitely want to bring that down because that can have negative effects also. Um, again, uh, another thing, uh, by the way, is that it's actually a fun fact that strength training actually makes you, uh, trains you more to to uh, control this inhibition. So I think it's, it has to do with the fact that you learn to push yourself through certain situations. And you see that if you do strength training, you get much better at this. So it might actually help to control those pinches too. Yeah, that's, uh, mm. that's an amazing point you made there, uh, Sauna. Like I know for, I think you're pretty similar, Tommy, but for me, if I have my training structured, I just don't want to binge. Like, mm. it's like, well, I've just trained. I want to get some protein in. I want to get some good carbs. Like, I don't. It tends to also be on days where I haven't trained. You know, you know, maybe I've been busy, you know, on the laptop all day, doing whatever. But it's definitely been a change to routine. But when I do take the time to apply myself to my training routine and, and those meal patterns, and I'm, uh, it's really unlikely that I want to binge or, um, or feel the need to binge. So, yeah, it does, for me, come back to that setting up that routine and um and certainly training is part of that if i've trained i tend to to you know want to put good fuel into the body and and, and not um waste if you will that training session you know by by fueling some some poor calorie choices and and not get all my uh the bits and pieces that i need to uh to get swallowed on <laughs> you know? yes so yeah the training for me is a big part of it for mm. to keep me on track absolutely very interesting all right, so uh, that's, that's it's a pretty good uh, synopsis of things and uh, things to look out for and practices and uh, the psycholo psychological uh, side of things there with mm. some um, the behavior therapy and the uh, the acceptance commitment therapy as well. ACT was it? I think yes. you sort of accept it and mm -hmm. write it down and and do all that type of stuff. Um, where do we uh, wrap th things up from here, Tommy? Is there anything else that we want to delve into with this side of things? We've got the training done. We sort of uh, Sauna's explained uh, that can be beneficial there. We've covered the um, a lot on the, the, the bed, the binge eating disorder, and, and how to identify it and ways to deal with it. Mm. What are you thinking? Um, well, I, when I think about the cognitive behavioral therapy and how that actually works, it seems like it has... Uh, many applications mm. like you could use it for any aspect of your life where you your habituated patterns of doing things aren't exactly the way you'd like them to be yeah um yeah recognizing them and um so sonora is it something that you personally have utilized for your own benefit yes definitely so for example things like getting nervous for something or um yeah when i have for example a big interview coming up or something and i 
find that I have this uncomfortable feeling, I'll be just more like, okay, this is just nerves. There's just nothing I have to do with this. It will pass. And I'll just go on with whatever I was doing. And those things like seem to help too. And actually one way I got into the whole binging diary and stuff like that is because I started to read a lot into uh, panic attacks and panic disorders because some of my clients were dealing with this. And that is where I saw a lot of um, similarities between how you treat panic attacks, for example, or anxiety, and how you could treat binge eating disorder as well. So a lot of those methods I actually adapted to my coaching, uh, like the binge diary, like sometimes I let people fill out a panic diary when they have panic attacks, and that seems to really help. And I found the same thing with binges. So yes, there are definitely a lot of um, times where you can apply this for yourself in different circumstances. Mm. So you basically, you, you, you identify what the problem or the challenge is that you have. Mm -hmm. You start taking a diary, making a note around when these patterns of behavior or thought or feeling or anxiety happens. And then you sort of mm -hmm. step back and analyze what the Most circumstances the are person. that, that yes. read up to it. Yeah, very interesting. And then you design some sort of intervention to assist you to sit it out or wait it out. Or Yeah, so you, it's good to know that you wouldn't need an intervention because it will pass, but it's definitely there are more comfortable ways to work through it. So while you wait for it to go away, you can just do other things instead. Like you can make yourself just way more comfortable. Like you can either just keep on doing your business and just keep on going, but you don't have to necessarily distract yourself. I think that's a very big distinction you want to make. So you don't necessarily want to distract yourself or not think no. about it. You instead want to accept it mm. and then just move on with what you're doing or if you just want to be like more comfortable while you wait it out, you just go for a walk, you just take a shower, you just watch something nice on TV or whatever you like doing, and you just wait for it to pass. And a lot of this is actually um, exposure therapy. That's all it is. Like that's why it desensitizes over time too. Like you get used to the feeling of the urge while taking action. So the body sends a signal. If you react to it, it will send a signal again because it's like, okay, hey, I send a signal, something happens. Okay, we keep on doing this. But if it sends a signal, nothing happens, then it's like, hey, there is definitely, this is definitely not important, obviously. Mm. So th it weakens that signal over time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's Very the good. point yeah. there, Tommy, is, is uh, recognizing it, having some adversity dealing with it accepting it mm. but then over time it dissipates so it's uh easy peasy each time you do it it gets e a little easier each time you do it, it gets a little easier um cool. before yes. we uh sort of wrap things up today uh sauna tell me have you have you looked into the actual physiological implications of these these binges like i mean is it a, a i'm curious like I can tell you I felt there were multiple systems being challenged after I had the uh, the custard bath and Ben and & Jerry's and everything else. Like, is it a, a stress on, you know, is your digestive system getting a, a stressed? Is your cardiovascular system getting a workout when we intake these obscene amount, obscene and extreme amounts of calories in a single session? Like the immune it, system, yeah, is, is inflammation. It, yeah, inflammation, usually, you know, a, a watery mess the, the next day typically. Like, is there a... A physiological burden outside of the the feeling bad about it 
there might be, yes. It depends a little bit on how many calories you consume, but I often see that people don't feel, if they're consuming a lot of calories, they don't feel that good about it. Like right mm. after, they might have digestive issues, they might be uncomfortably, like very uncomfortably full, which is one of the main criteria for binge eating, that people just keep on eating apart from like above the point where they already feel full. So they might be really nauseous or mm. even vomit sometimes. Um, so yeah, like inflammation, it depends what you eat. Again, of course, if you're just eating like a bunch of junk food, you will definitely notice that in your like inflammation level for sure. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I feel like death lying there, you yes. know, just just trying to keep the heart beating while I get through it. Tommy, <laughs> pop a couple, of, pop a couple of valiums and, and uh, keep sleep going. it off. Yes, yeah, very sleep good. It off, very you good. Know? Well, that's awesome. So, Sona, what's on the cards for you? Like, what what are you working on these days, and what's coming up? I have actually started a YouTube channel since uh, recently. Really? So I've been working on some videos there, like a little bit of um, like educational videos about, for example, binge eating or problems I see that a lot of women deal with, especially, and also a view into our lifestyle. So Meno and I have been traveling quite a bit. And I also like to see like how I maintain our fit or how we maintain our fitness lifestyle, even with our travels. Yeah, yeah mean, that'd be a challenge. Yeah. Awesome stuff. And where can our uh, listeners find that? Are they up and running at the moment or coming soon? Yes. Yeah, it's all under my name. You have to write it down somewhere because you can hardly pronounce my name, let alone that your listeners know how to write it. Sauna. Yeah, it's under my name, Sauna Lehman. So you can look at my YouTube channel, like my Instagram is this, and my Facebook as well. Beautiful. And that's S A. U N. No, joking. So S A W N E and then L W E N M A N. Lean. Yes. Beautiful. All right. So apart from. It's hard for you, RCs, but it's actually a very common Dutch name, Sonne. There are thousands of girls named Sonne in the Netherlands, but whenever I go abroad, people are like, oh, it's such an exotic name. And I'll be like, oh, yes. Somebody no, thinks you, my name is special. No, you, you're, you're, always, is. you're always going to be exotic for us, Sona. Um, you can welcome back anytime <laughs> on the podcast. Don't tell me no. But um, all right, any plans to get back down under at, at all? Uh, I mean, you guys have been over a few times already. Anything on the cards? And you're in Brazil at the moment. We Where are you off to after that? Wanna, we definitely want to come back. And I definitely want to see some kangaroos. The first time I went to Australia, <laughs> I was expecting to see kangaroos hopping on the street everywhere. <laughs> and I was so disappointed. I haven't seen any. Like, I've asked around, like, where can I find those damn things? But no, nowhere to be found. What? I've seen it on my plate, but I've never <laughs> seen them in real life. Or yeah. at least not in Australia in real life. Um, but I don't think this year because we have our whole year already planned. Um, but yeah, definitely we have uh, some contacts in Perth and they invited us to speak there again. So Beautiful. Well, I think the kangaroos are most mostly a pest, aren't they, guys? Like uh, we have like issues with kangaroos uh, oh, really? in certain parts of but Australia. They, yeah. Do you actually see them in the big cities now? Huh? No. no, not in cities. That's what I was expecting, just to see them like <laughs> in between traffic, yeah, like, walking yeah. around. No. It's not like, like that. that, but you don't, I mean, you don't have to travel too far out of no. uh, out of city centres to to see some kangaroos. I mean, there's so many parts of Australia that you guys would love to explore. Mm. It's, it's oh, yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, we've only seen so like a little bit of it, and definitely I noticed like beautiful nature out there. Like we haven't seen, 
definitely not seen all of it. So yeah, mm. we definitely want to come back. Awesome. Well, I look forward to uh, that sauna, definitely. <laughs> You're looking, looking forward to an infrared, infrared sauna. Infrared sauna. Yeah. Um, all right, Sona. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. That was very helpful. I'm sure a lot of our, uh, yeah, our plenty absolutely. of takeaways for our listener base out there to um, implement some of those strategies. Really good stuff. Um, so thank you for your time. Enjoy the uh, the sushi over there in uh, Brazil, Brazil and um, send our regards to Menno. I will. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Sona. Talk to Sonna. you again soon. Bye. Bye. Right. Well, Rorden, there she was, Sona Lehman. An absolute pleasure and delight to have her on the podcast. And look, I think some of those practical steps make a lot of sense. A, obviously look at your stress levels. B, look at your sleep, poor meal patterns, bad planning, all those very basic things, you know, high food volume versus the actual calories that you're taking in. So there's a lot of practical ways to approach what, you know, we tend to assume is a psychological issue, but it might not always be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's some definite cases out there where it is uh, uh, the causes are far more uh, deep-rooted than uh, some food timing or a bit of poor sleep. But um, I, I quite like how she, um, which is the reality of it, you know, when you have a uh, anxiety or a panic attack, you know, you, you get through the moment and then it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, and, and life, the, the world didn't come collapsing in on me. This is, uh, right. I can do this. So, you know, sometimes it might just be a case of um, realizing that, getting through it, and, oh, okay, I felt like that, and that normally happens, but it didn't this time. So, you know, I can live the fight another day. So, and man, I, Yeah, it is very good stuff, and I can say, you know, it's been a bit of time since we've done the interview and us talking about it now, but I have applied that binge diary or food diary with a couple of people for the express reason of binge eating. And How does that one work? Like, what did you set up? So they basically just start tracking all of their meals and then with no sort of uh, judgment or, or particular desire to intervene and stop anything, just go about your week as you would track everything that you do. And if and when the binge comes along or you eat something that you don't want to eat, make note of how you felt while you're eating it, what was what the psycholo- psychological, emotional state that led up to it, what happened yep. after it. And then once you create an awareness around that the next week or a week or two after whenever they're ready they sit out they see it coming they know it's going to happen and they have to have that first go at just sitting through the uncomfortable process of their brain and their physiology getting used to being fed something sugary or delicious at that period of time and as you said it, it passes like a wave yeah yeah and i guess for the, the the climate that we're in right now and a lot of people are working from home the temptation is there you know, I think there's some practical uh, points that, that they can take uh, take heed to, and you know, stick with those, stick with some regimented meal timings, and mm-hmm. um, you know, focus on trying to get some good sleep. And the the reality of, of not having that that binge is, is far less uh, far less likely. Well, that's it from us, Rawdon. Any uh, parting words from yourself? Well, uh, they can. Uh, anyone wants to uh, work online at home, you know, I can coach you. Uh, contact the Dubois Method on Instagram or uh, Facey. You know, I can put some. Uh, you know, I haven't spoken about it much, but calisthenics is it's one of my favourites. You know, what about push-ups? I often use that with my clientele. Time. I'm I'm very well uh, versed in uh, programming for that. Maybe we work on some handstands. You know, stuff like that. Mate, it's. I know that you laugh, but I've been doing handstands. <laughs> doing handstands, handstand push-ups, cartwheels. Oh my god, cartwheels! 
having a great no doubt, time. No doubt, no doubt, the underpants are off, and you know, there was things flopping everywhere as you're doing those cartwheels. Sight to behold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, that's been it from us. Thank you once again. Stay tuned for CoronaCast coming your way shortly. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Warden. Zero, <laughs> 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 <laughs>